0: Were you guys pissed off about something, or was he pissed off
1: about something? Any
0: time that I say the phrase pissed off on this program, I always hesitate for a split second beforehand thinking I really shouldn't be saying it. But, you know, if we're going to use it in the press conference and the reporter's asking the question twice and it comes up, then I guess that's the green light. We can say pissed off whenever. We don't have to worry about somebody being pissed off if we say pissed off, I guess is what I'm saying. Or after the debate the other night... a very respected commentator used the SH word. Oh, a very unrespected football analyst has used the SH word on this program, I think, once or twice. Would Air he be who- blonde and about 6'5"? <laughs> you bull- <laughs> All right, here we go. You ready? And with the history of kicking mulch into his father's swimming pool. Christopher!
1: Christopher!
0: Christopher! Christopher! <laughs> That was great. I forgot about that. Yeah, we were talking about you course i would never say anything behind your back or in a camera on a day when you're not on the program that i wouldn't
1: say to your face you know that i do oh i do know that i do i I know uh just because i'll say anything to your face i was was about to say there's really nothing you've ever (laughs) held back on so i don't know why the camera would matter anything other than you have to take a few words out here or there and you know it's so funny i can still remember that day with peter king i really can. When he was at my house and I was, you know, probably six or seven years old in the backyard, bored on a summer day before my dad's going to training camp, going, damn, why is my dad in the kitchen talking to this guy? Let's go in the backyard and play some wiffle ball, whatever. So, yeah, I was bored. started kicking mulch in the pool. Why? I don't know, but... Uh, So this would have been 1985, 86, 87, somewhere in there, someone that, yes, I would think somewhere right in that, that, that those years, I think I was probably, I want to say it was after my dad won the Super Bowl. It was kind of one of those things. So I want to say maybe it was the summer leading into the 87 season somewhere there. Were you like, Dad, who's the guy with the big afro? <laughs> yeah, who's the guy that burps and snorts all the time? That guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> now, now, now we've got to make. Now we've got to. Now, now you've got that to show him later in the week when he's yeah. on the show. You could show him this clip. <laughs> now, now,
0: now we have to turn to a serious topic. Bill right. O'Brien out as the Texans head coach. You know, sometimes there's no easy segue. So you just make the right turn and off you go. This was a stunner yesterday, and it happened just a few minutes before Shereen Williams and I went on air for PFTPM, and at least we saw it before it happened. At least we had a chance to gather our thoughts for about 90 seconds before the show started. But uh, I- I'm surprised about this, and people don't understand why I'm surprised. Let me try to explain it as best I can now that I've had some time to process it. Bill O'Brien in 2019 was made essentially the de facto GM after the plan that was hatched by the Texans to get Nick Casario from the Patriots imploded onto itself and they had no GM and they decided after conducting a couple of sham Rooney rule interviews to not hire a GM and just go forward. So Bill O'Brien was running the show. Bill O'Brien was responsible for the trades that were made Labor Day weekend of 2019. Jadavian Clowney, they paid 7 million of his salary to get a third round pick and a couple of warm bodies in return and then the the two first round picks given up to the Dolphins that same day for Laramie Tunsell without insisting on a new contract for Tunsil on the way in the door and receiver Kenny Stills and and then you know at a time when everyone's saying what a mess what a mess what a mess oh wait wait they won the division oh and they won a playoff game oh and they were up 24 nothing against the Chiefs in the divisional round of the playoffs before the Chiefs do what the Chiefs do and come back and, and win the game And so after the season, Bill O'Brien's made the general manager of the team. After the 2019 season, everything they accomplished last year, he's the GM and the head coach, and he's got a winning record, and he's been to the playoffs six times, and uh, the team is is competitive pretty much every year. They've got a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson that they pay a giant boatload of money to before the season begins. Now, the DeAndre Hopkins trade happens, Everyone wonders what in the hell they were doing. You and I understand why they were doing it. I still think that having a GM in the building who isn't the head coach gives you that voice that can maybe talk you out of moving on from a guy that you just maybe don't get along with and maybe you don't see the future there and maybe you want to get what you can before he he starts to have his skills begin to diminish and he wants a whole lot of money and you just don't want to mess with it. If you have a separate GM, you can maybe, maybe talk the coach out of it, but But ownership decided to make the coach the GM. And ownership clearly was on board with the move to trade DeAndre Hopkins or it wouldn't have happened. Now, four games into the next season, when you get the who-did-we-piss-off schedule to start the year, Chiefs, Ravens, at Pittsburgh, you lose one game that you should have won by a touchdown, by an overturned call in the end zone that could have gone either way, and now you fire the guy? It doesn't make sense to me. I understand there are Texans fans out there who are like, thank God this was overdue. But everything ownership did up until yesterday, rubber stamped everything that Bill O'Brien did. That's what makes it so weird, Chris.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it it did seem like, okay, if you're going to empower him with all of this stuff, then let his plan kind of play out at this point, right? I mean, that's really where it is. Uh, first off, I mean, what I want to say, I mean I don't know if I'm shocked by like, you know, we started off the show today at, at 7 a.m. I don't know if I'm shocked that he got fired. You know, 0 and 4 with the way everything like just the, the talk around the Texans, they haven't looked good. You know, we discussed it. The look of the offense, the Andre Hopkins looks really good in Arizona. Yeah, all the things you talked about, Laramie, Tunsil, Jadevian, Clowney. I just all of those have been hovering around Billy O'Brien. Like I feel like people have just been waiting to go, Oh, they're doing bad. Now we can unleash all the the things he did that were wrong, you know, as a GM and use that against them. And it, it finally came. And of course, yeah, they played horrible last week against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are not a good team. And really their offense had their way with the Texans. So I guess my thought is this. I put this out on Twitter last night, with my original thought, and I still feel the same. know, Billy O'Brien, the GM, got Billy O'Brien, the head coach, fired. That's how I feel about it. Billy O'Brien, the head coach, I have a lot of respect for. I really do. I think he's a damn good head coach, as we've seen. I don't think there's you can deny that. Four to six years with some of the players and quarterbacks he had there before Deshaun Watson. I mean, man, he went to the playoffs with Keenum, Hoyer, and Osweiler. I mean, come on now. So he can coach football. Hey, his his ability to be a GM that's questionable. I understand that, and I think ultimately. That, I wonder if he even wanted to be. I, that's what I, I mean. mean. I think this ultimately. Happened. Yes, it led to the downfall. There, we know that they were never on the same page between front office and coaching staff there in his whole tenure with Houston. I mean, that's why they made some of the switches in the front office to begin with, and of course. He came from New England and saw, whoa, they kind of dominate football. I'd like to get my front office and coaching staff on the same page as New England. And he never got it to that. And yes, they you know had their issues with Casario and everything like that last year to where they were close to getting it there. But I think ultimately that was the downfall, is that he didn't get the front office to be able to implement a system that then could support his coaching and football team on the field. And that led to the demise of Billy O'Brien. And then it was so weird because we just
0: assumed after the 2019 season, they would circle back around after Nick Casario because his contract was expiring. And that was the presumption in June of 2019. Well, this is just delayed. Remember they didn't hire the GM. They're just going to get through this season and then they'll go get Nick Casario. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, the Patriots tend to get what they want. And if they want Casario, Casario is probably going to stay right and that's how it played out so then they just say fine we'll go forward with Bill O'Brien as the GM we made it to the round of eight we had the Chiefs down 24 nothing let's let Bill O'Brien do what Bill O'Brien wants to do you want to trade DeAndre Hopkins okay GM head coach we're going to trade DeAndre Hopkins and it surely this wasn't some sort of a setup like well let's let him just completely tear the team apart and so we can fire him and yeah we got what we wanted and well, now the team's been torn apart. What the hell do we do next? So I, I don't want to give anyone who may have been, you know, trying to plan this and 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 let O'Brien basically bring himself down as a coach by having him do a job he wasn't qualified to do. Just the whole thing is strange. The timing is odd, and this seemed to me to be potentially a year, Chris, where you'd get a pass. You wouldn't be fired right during the season because. It's a weird upside-down year. A lot of these fans aren't showing up anyway, so you don't have to worry about fans being alienated by a team that's not going anywhere. We're going to get through this season. This year, a victory is playing 16 games. That's your victory in 2020, period. That's why I was so surprised, and it makes me wonder whether other owners are going to look at this and say, well, you know what? Cal McNair did, and I'm going to do it, too.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Mike. I think it will kind of embolden other owners to go, all right, yeah, it's a pandemic year and it's weird or whatever, but, you know, there's no future here with this coach. Let's rip the Band-Aid off and get it going right now. I, I This, I do think, will, will you know, maybe uh, increase those chances, definitely. But, you know, like you – I I think you bring up a good point with what you say, too, about – you know, where they are as a team this year. Yeah, we know they have issues. You know, they probably weren't as good as they were last year, but they have Deshaun Watson and Billy O'Brien. He coaches them tough and they're battle-tested, and they kind of fool you into being a little bit better of a team than they actually are, and Watson is capable of doing that, and Billy O's capable of doing that as a coach. But, like, I think you're the other thing you're saying, like, you talk about one team that – really could have benefited from an offseason. I know they all could have. I get it. But when you don't know DeAndre Hopkins, hey, Brandon Cooks, we need you to come in here and learn the offense. Hey, Randall Cobb, we need you to learn the offense. Hey, we got two second-year offensive linemen who are really depending on to help our team out this year. Those off-season reps and everything, so big we know development between year one and year two. They lose that. Hey, David Johnson's on the offense. This is a complicated offense. Whoa, he's in probably the beginner phase of learning all of that and everything there. So those issues are real. Now, the one thing I can't give him an excuse for, because he's kind of the GM, is the defense. And the GM, you know, is the defense. They, they. They don't have a lot of talent. They have really lost their way, and that, of course, is the big issue. And that's kind of where I always go back to Billy O'Brien, the GM. Ultimately, is what really hurt Billy O'Brien, the coach here. In four games,
0: I that's know. what's amazing. Yeah, Bill O'Brien, as the GM, through four games, brought down a successful coach's tenure. In four games, is having that second title. Not like with Mike Holmgren when it wasn't working with him wearing both hats in Seattle. They didn't just fire him; they brought somebody in to be the GM. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, that that's what confuses me about this. Just hire a GM. Don't fire your coach and your GM. Just fire your GM. Right. And keep your head coach. Here's Bill O'Brien talking about the decision that was made to let him go on Monday.
1: I think that every decision we made, uh, was always in the best interest of the team. We, 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 uh, we had long conversations. We put a lot of research into them. Um, you know, there were things that, 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 that happened within the walls of an organization that the outside public will will really never know. And that's just the way it is. I mean, I totally understand that, but, uh, we, we, uh, we had a lot of great conversations that, um went into these decisions a lot of research we had a lot of people that helped us uh, along the way and we made what we believed were were the best decisions for the team that's what we always did
0: yeah and see the point he's making is i'm just not out here doing whatever i feel like doing we've got other people in the organization who are on board with it hey great idea that's right yeah let's do this yeah hey you know, there's no way in hell they traded DeAndre Hopkins without making sure Cal McNair was on board with it and making the case. And it's not just Bill O'Brien. There's another name in all of this that, that conveniently wasn't mentioned by the Texans yesterday, and he's going to still be there, the executive VP of football operations, a guy named Jack Easterby, a guy who doesn't have the traditional background running a professional football team. And as right. a result, there are plenty of people out there who have – Gotten to high positions in the more traditional way, who are taking a closer look at Jack Easterby. Where did he come from? What did he do? We had a Item last night about an irregularity that was on his online resume that was changed at some point in the past several months after I began asking questions about it to people who hired him for jobs at some point after he claimed to be assistant to the director of football operations in Jacksonville in 2004, his first NFL job. That's now been changed to he assisted with football administration and salary cap management. So uh, there's some questions out there. And see, here's the thing, Chris. When you win this power struggle, and you're the guy who stays, you can't go hide. You, you, you're now front and center. And there's a dynamic in football where certain executives position themselves to take full credit when things go well, but when everything goes sideways, oh, no oh hey, I'm not a football guy. That's not what I do. Right. Well, you got a football title. It's kind of like Bruce Allen in D.C. all those years. You got a football title. At some point, you're as accountable as the coach or as the GM would be if we had one. And now, you know, I said this yesterday, and I stand by it today. Jack Easterby is the dog that chased the car and caught it. Now he's got to figure out what the hell to do with it. And that's going to be something that we hear more and more about. There's going to be scrutiny of what his qualifications are, why he has this job, and how he morphs into a new role. Without any type of interview process that complies with the Rooney rule, he's going to be the guy sitting on top of the football mountain in Houston because the audience of one Cal McNair has bought it and and he's got every right to, but everyone else is going to look at it and say, what the hell really happened here? And I think in a very discreet roundabout way, that may be a message that Bill O'Brien was kind of blinking through as he was
1: talking yesterday. Well, I I, I don't doubt that. I mean, he is kind of one of the enigmas of the NFL, Jack Easterby. He really is. I mean, I've been around the NFL my whole life. I don't know him. I know really not very little about him. And I just at a base level would sit here and go, wait, all right. Billy O'Brien is the reason Jack Easterby's there in a lot of ways, Right. So at what point, like, why, why would Jack Easterby be safe there, anyways? I mean, I'm just talking. I'm not even trying to. I'm not trying to get personal, Mr. Easterby. I'm sure you're very good at your job. No, no, look, look, but, hey, hey, oh, no, no, but, he's in the arena. You're in the fray. When you're, you're the
0: executive VP of football operations for an NFL team, we don't have to make any apologies. This is a big job. It's an important job. Right. He stays, O'Brien goes, and it's fair for us, and it's our job, Chris, frankly, to ask questions about who is this guy, how did he get here, are there irregularities in his resume? What is his experience? What are his qualifications? Are there other people out there who are more qualified to do the job, and why don't they have the job instead of him? Those are fair questions to ask. Uh, definitely. Not, you don't have to apologize. No, and right. now that he's in this well, spot, yeah. he needs to have a thick skin and deal with it, and he's got to be ready to defend his qualifications in his resume.
1: He definitely is. And, and to me, just the, the broader thing is if you're the Houston Texans and you don't want more like Billy O'Brien and that's over, like – Jack Easterby is part of that. I would think his school of thought and some of the things he thinks about an organization and building a team were were somewhat synonymous with Billy O'Brien and what he thought. So, I don't know if this is one of those things where they're just going, "All right, hey, we'll finish out the year and then we'll, you know, you know, tear it all down and start back over at scratch." Or are they going to like, yeah, like you're saying. Did Here are the keys, Jack. Right, did Jack get in the ear He's of the owner? And like we've seen GMs do that you and I know, I mean, we know of where, yeah, they're the, they're the owner's teacher's pet, for lack of a, a, a better phrase. Like, you know, oh, hey, hey, Mr. Owner, look, uh, my t- the team's good. The players are good. I did my part. Here's a little green apple on your desk. Aren't I good? I, I'm not the problem. That goes, it's very real in football. Oh, um, but, but here's the difference. Yeah. Here's the difference. Here's the difference.
0: The GM has true accountability as well. At some point, the GM's ass is on the line. And I'm a firm believer the coach and the GM always need to be aligned. They were more aligned than ever before in Houston. But the coach and the GM always have to be on the same page, on the same track of accountability, because it sets the stage for them to start blaming each other. And it drives coaches crazy. And I've talked to coaches about this. I'm down on the sideline busting my ass trying to coach this team. And I know up there in the luxury suite, the GM sitting next to the owner, second-guessing everything I do, questioning everything I do, saying how I'm making mistakes and how am I not getting more yeah. out of this talented team that the GM put together. The difference here is Easterby's not in that same yeah. immediate range of no. accountability. So here's the question. Here's the question. As Bill O'Brien is hatching the idea to trade DeAndre Hopkins, what's Easter be doing? What's he saying? Is he saying, you're absolutely right? Or is he saying, I don't know, I'm not a football guy. So either Easterby got it wrong with O'Brien on the merit, or Easterby really doesn't have the chops to be doing any of this stuff. Which brings me back to the question, if he emerges from this thing as the guy who's in charge of the football operation, and he's going to hire everybody, and he's basically the surrogate owner, and everything goes through him, what did he do to get there? How does he deserve that job over others who have been grinding away and building a, a real resume and getting real experience and, and having real football ability? It's going to piss a lot of people off. That's and, and, and if that ends up being the case, he's got to be ready for people to come after him. That's the way the business works, Chris. We've both been yeah. around it long enough to know. People get in these jobs, and there's other people out there who say, why do you have this job? You better prove that you deserve it. And if you can't, you're not going to be in that job for
1: very long. No, I, you're right. He's, he's going to have to prove it. And I understand the questions. I mean, certainly I question it as well. I, I And, and you know, I, I would think, again, I don't think football evaluation is Jack Easterby's strong point. I don't, I don't think that. I don't know that. But from what I've heard, so I would hope Billy O'Brien wasn't asking him very much about what I should do with the roster or this player or whatever. You know, hopefully Jack Easterby has been there, put in place, vice president, football operations, all those type of things to... Make sure the organization is running smoothly, and maybe that's where he's good. Uh, but if they're making, letting him get involved in football decisions, then, yeah, I would seriously question that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested just to see where this whole thing goes, Mike. I really am. I mean, hey, the Houston Texans, they have a prize possession at quarterback. That is going to be a job that is going to be a hot commodity. And where does that go? Because, I mean, this this could go anywhere now, and I think that's going to be interesting too. And there's a dynamic
0: at play here because, look, they've given Deshaun Watson an incredible contract. It screams out franchise quarterback. There have been moments, though, and who who who's to blame? I guess Bill O'Brien, right? But there have been moments where Deshaun Watson has struggled. This year it's not been good. Uh, when you don't have any blocking. Yeah. That's part of the problem. When they trade away your favorite target, that's part of the problem. But my concern for the Texans is this. Do they end up hiring a coach who will say all the right things about Deshaun Watson? And then when the coach gets there, and it's not going to be easy to do from a cap standpoint, but when the coach gets there, does the coach secretly want a different quarterback? I mean, you're at least running the risk that one of the candidates you consider is potentially going to have another vision at quarterback than Deshaun Watson. I, you know, I, I you can't rule that out. Look at what happened when Josh McDaniels went to Denver. What was the first thing he did? He ran off Jay Cutler. Do you think that he he interviewed for the job with that as his, as his top item? As soon as I get here, I'm going to get rid of your franchise quarterback? No. So... That that they better be damn sure. That that's my point. You better be damn sure whoever you hire in Houston is all in with Deshaun Watson. That's why yesterday we were joking about Dabo Swinney being the obvious choice because we already know
1: he's all in with Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, definitely. I I, w- I would have a hard time. There there's a, you know Watson has special special qualities. I don't think there's going to be you know many coaches that are going to look at Houston and go, oh, I need to bring another guy in there. I mean, who? Tell me who's going to be right better. Away. No, not I right know. Not right away. Not right but I'm away. Just, I'm just if trying to say. If you have misgivings
0: say. about him, right, if you have misgivings that prove themselves out over a year or two, you know, you can say the reason we haven't had success is this quarterback, you know, there's a lot of sizzle there, there's a lot of pop, he can do certain things, but we're just not going to win with him consistently. You that that's your My point is you're running the risk that you're going to hire somebody who brings that hidden agenda with him. Yeah. So you better be damn sure. That, you know, the interviews and and that's the thing. Who's setting up these interviews? Who's brainstorming the topics? You better be damn sure when you're interviewing coaches that you, you give me your plan for using Deshaun Watson. Show me X's and O's. Let's go. Show me film of Deshaun Watson. Break it down and show me what he did right, what he did wrong and how you would take him to the next level. That's what they have to be looking for. And is that is that a Josh McDaniels? Chris,
1: I mean, it could be. Is it this, could be is this an Eric. finally the time he makes a jump? Oh, it would. I mean, he would certainly. It would be awesome. There's no doubt about that. I mean, McDaniel. Eric Biehnemy, as
0: you're saying, no doubt. This, That's what, what, what do I'm gonna say. Mahomes? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, no, Eric Biehnemy is the the first name that comes to my mind. I mean, without without question. I mean, first off, it was an embarrassment. He didn't get a job last year. I mean, embarrassment for so many reasons. But then. Um, Yeah, and I mean, that's the way the world's going, right, though? I mean, I I would be shocked. I would think we're going to see an offensive coach. I would think we're going to hear Lincoln-Riley rumors. Here we go with that. You know, I I would think we're going to hear all of that stuff. Houston not being far from Oklahoma. Oklahoma's always good every year. Quarterbacks, all those type of things. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Uh, I would imagine it's going to be somebody like that. I think they're in too deep with the Deshaun Watson, and I just think Deshaun Watson's too talented that – I agree. I know. I agree with you, but there's still
0: a risk. There's still a risk. You're right. You got to run the search right. And here's the other thing too. Back to Jack Easterby. Whatever power he has accumulated, he is going to want to maintain. That is a factor in who the candidates are to be the head coach because you don't want someone who comes in and says, get rid of this guy. Hey, let me tell you. You want me to coach the team? I'll coach the team. First order of business is get rid of this guy. Yeah. And... Ownership may not want to get rid of this guy. Remember when Bill Cower was was in talks to become coach of the Jets and he ultimately didn't do it? They wouldn't get rid of Mike Tannenbaum. So he wouldn't do it. Right. And so so that that's that's a factor in this as well. If you're the guy who's setting up the interviews, if you're the guy who's in charge of the process, you potentially are an impediment to attracting the candidates that maybe the owner would want, yeah, but they don't want to go there and and be in a position where there's a an executive VP of football operations who has no accountability who can run you out the door if he chooses to
1: do so. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. You're right. I mean, if it's not the right situation, it's gonna a head coach. A lot of the times, these guys, these candidates, yes, there's only 32 of these jobs. We know that, so you're a little bit desperate to okay. Oh wow, I got offered one. I got to take it. But at the same time, there is that thought, and you got to be very careful, that you don't want to just take one and be in the wrong situation. It might be the only chance you ever get to be the head coach. And if it goes wrong and everything's wrong and the guy that's you know hired you and you don't agree with the vice president and the GM and things like that, then it's probably going to go wrong, and then you probably won't get a head coaching job ever again after this one fails. And that is a big part of it. And I think that's even more apparent with – potential head coaches more than ever to just know that wait is this the right support system do I really have a chance to succeed here and if not then I'll go back and be a coordinator and wait for something else instead of okay yes I got a great big paycheck and a head coach but I just this is rolling the dice because I'm not in control here and I don't agree philosophically with the higher ups in the organization where they want to take this and yeah, that's just tough to succeed as a head coach, and I think you got to be very careful of uh, that 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 possibility. The interim head
0: coach is Romeo Cronell, who becomes the oldest coach in NFL history at the age of 73. Damn. He previously coached the Browns. He was the interim coach in Kansas City. After Todd Haley was fired, he did enough to become the permanent head coach, at least as permanent as it ever gets. Chris, tell me, and this is a guess – from your perspective i've looked it up how many nfl games has romeo Crennel coached as a head coach how many
1: well it's up it's up there because what do you get i'm gonna say three years in cleveland so i'm gonna say he's he's been the head coach of like close to 58 games
0: 83 games wow he's been an nfl head coach wow. 83 games yeah he gets 12 more as the interim coach of the texans and hey Maybe he ends up getting the job. He's done it before. I'm not a big fan of the interim coach, in part because, and this can happen later in the year like it did when Todd Haley was fired by the Chiefs. What happens is the players realize, oh, crap, I better get my act together. I better play hard for this guy and get him the job because who the hell knows who they're going to hire. Yeah, right. And what's going to happen to me if the new coach decides he wants this guy, this guy, this guy and he doesn't want me. So let's all bust our butts to help the interim coach keep the job and then we can go back to sucking next year. I mean, that's what happens far more often than not
1: there is. when an interim coach ends up getting the job. Hey, as a football player, you don't ever want the coach to get fired because now there's just unknowns because now you go, "Damn, I don't you you know, like you just brought up with you know, a guy being hired, and will he like Deshaun Watson? Think about the guys who are not Deshaun Watson. They're going, damn. Whoa, I don't know. what. I, hey, honey, they're going home. And going, I don't know if we're going to be here next year. I'm not sure. We're going to see what's going to happen. You know, Romeo Cornell, known him for a long time, of course, since I was a little boy. They don't make humans any better than Romeo Cornell. You know, he's one of the great defensive minds we've ever seen in the history of the sport. He'll take over seamlessly. But, like, I think ultimately the Houston Texans, they got to – the, when it comes time, the season's over. They got to get fresh blood in there, a new guy that kind of re, re you know reinvigorates the the city around the team, gets Deshaun Watson excitement around the Houston Texans. And I don't think you know, no disrespect to Romeo Cornell, just where he is at his age and this part of his career. I don't think that's going to do it in Houston. Um, so I can't imagine. Do you imagine give Deshaun
0: that. Watson a voice? Do you give
1: Deshaun Watson a voice in the hiring of the next head coach? I don't. I wouldn't. I would not. I I, I would not I I, you got to make this decision about your football team and go from there it's not about oh you know again if you start asking players personal biases will get in Deshaun Watson young there's some things that he doesn't even know he doesn't know right and to me no I, I would not get involved in that conversation with Deshaun Watson. I mean, they didn't involve Aaron Rodgers. I figure if they're not going to involve Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, they may, right. they may not involve they <laughs> Deshaun Watson in Houston. <clears throat> All
0: right, they've got the Jaguars at the Titans and the Packers coming up, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, before their week eight bye. We'll see if they can get a few wins. And, look, they're not, they're not done yet. They're, they're, there's still 12 games to play. All we know at this point is their best possible record could be 12-4, and four, but, of course, their worst possible record. Would be 0 16. Maybe they could have two former Clemson quarterbacks on the roster <laughs> by the time the 2021 season. I think they're they're right. close
1: to where I want to go. They're done though. They I mean I I don't see it. I don't see some magical rebound from this team. Not with the way the offense is played and the defense has been real stinky. And I I can't imagine that. And if they do get that number 1 pick,
0: uh you can you can sell it for a lot oh. and replenish oh. all those draft picks that you gave up maybe foolishly. You you could really build a team around Deshaun Watson going forward. Does, so there's some potential
1: here. Yeah. Last thing, because I know we got to go. Does Billy O get a job this off season? Got to wait a year. What's your you know your gut? What's your pasta and meatballs tell you when it, when he'll be on the a head coach again? His contract goes through
0: 2022. I say he doesn't get a job as a head coach this time around. But I could see him landing somewhere as an assistant if he wants to. He may just want to take. A year off. See, you, when you get fired this early in the season, you can still kind of take a year off and get back into it next year. Yeah. You get fired at the end of the year, you could take off all of 2021. He may want to get right back at it. He seems I think like he would. he's wired to get right back at right, it. Right. And hey, he'd go be a consultant for somebody. He could be a consultant for the Patriots this year. He's free and clear. He can do whatever he wants now. I Remember when Josh shocked. McDaniels did that? Yeah. So. Yeah, no doubt. I all wouldn't right. be shocked. Quick break. When we return, some injury news and other information coming out of Monday. PFT Live will be back right now.
1: Certainly, I think when I came to Detroit, there was a lot of work to do, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, But, uh, you know, talking about this year right now, we're talking about right now, uh, you know, these first four games, and and obviously today wasn't good enough. I think after four games, you know, our team can really take a look at itself and say, okay, hey, how do we need to play the games? What do we got to do? We've got some work to do during the bye week here, I think, which will be good for us to really take a look at how do we need to play going forward. And I think that's probably the most important thing from that standpoint is what do we do going forward um, and, and how do we win?
0: Matt Patricia embattled head coach of the Lions year three of his effort to try to turn the team around. And and I think he may have inadvertently stepped on a landmine when he made that comment. There was a lot of work to do when I got here because he's had pushback from folks who say, wait a minute. It's not like Jim Caldwell was stinking the joint up. No, They had been to the playoffs. They had been nine and seven. Here's the reality. When Bob Quinn was hired, and this is why I don't like this two-track. I hear you, Mike. You're right. We have a coach, and we're hiring a GM. No, fire everybody. Just fire everybody and let the new GM start over. Don't fire the GM and keep the coach because the GM is just going to bide his time until he gets to hire his own coach. That's how it always works. So instead of firing Caldwell, remember early on Bob Quinn made Caldwell just kind of wait and wonder And I think Quinn talked to some other people who may have done things different ways. You know, some GMs went in and fired the coach immediately. Others gave them a chance. The problem is if you give them a chance, they may do well enough. It makes it hard to finally rip off the Band-Aid. And now when Matt Patricia has failed to take the team to where Jim Caldwell had them, Patricia's in jeopardy. Quinn's in jeopardy. And the question is, how long do the Lions want to try this this Patriot way in the upper Midwest approach. At what point do they just say it's not working and we need to go in a different direction?
1: Yeah. Well, they're getting close to that. I don't think there's any denying that. I mean, uh, you know, again, I think what's a little different, at least here, the optics are better for Detroit as far as just this year's concern, not in totality, not even it's not comparable to Billy O'Brien. I mean, Billy O'Brien, like we talked about four to six years, AFC South champ. That's different, but I still think they win a game in Arizona. Very competitive last week against New Orleans. I mean, the game is there to present itself. You know, they're going to kick themselves in, 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 you know, in the butt all year long about blowing week one because, man, would they feel a whole lot different if they were going into this bye week two and two. Because And this is why you know my, my thing I'll say here is this is why I don't rush to any decisions quite yet. They got the Jaguars, the Falcons, the Colts, the Vikings, the football team, the Carolina Panthers. I can sit here Mike and not to say they're going to win all of them, but I certainly can look at every game that we just mentioned. Uh you know, 5 out of the next 6 games. Other than the Colts, I could sit there and go Detroit can beat Jacksonville, Detroit can beat Atlanta, Detroit can beat Minnesota, Detroit can beat the football team, Detroit can beat Carolina. So I would wait to kind of see how that kind of shuffles out I think if I was running Detroit just to see where we go there and then maybe make a decision I don't know you agree with me that or not
0: I agree with you I agree with you I, I don't think you do it during the season I think last year they made it clear that they were going to give it another year and a lot can still happen over the final 12 games but I'll tell you what coming up fairly soon maybe by Thanksgiving it well definitely by Thanksgiving we're going to be able to do an apples to apples comparison of Matt Patricia's record and Jim Caldwell's record. Caldwell was 36 and 28 in four seasons. Patricia is 10 and 25. He loses three more games. It's whatever he is far below 36 yeah. and 28 yeah. versus Caldwell's 36 and 28. And I think that's when it potentially reaches critical mass from the standpoint of the fans. And and that was one thing that that was clear last year when Martha Ford said at the end of the year that they're coming back. It it was, it was clear that, that they're going to listen to the customers. So at some point, the customers are going to get pretty loud. And if they are going to listen to the customers now, now uh, Martha Ford has turned over the reins to Sheila Ford hamp, who's running the team. But at some point that's part of it because ultimately you've got to convince people to give up their time, their money and their passion to support your product. You don't want your fan base to become ambivalent. No, it's, you know, here's the thing. Look, I know Matt Patricia said when he went to Detroit, he's going to do it his way. He's going to be his guy. But when you're with Bill Belichick for 15 years, a lot of the way Belichick does things seeps into the way you do things. It just does. And that Patriot way, if you don't win, it's not sustainable. You have to win. Bill Belichick would have been gone in New England if he didn't win. Now everybody's got to win. Right, But what I'm saying is yeah, I know. it's got to work. It's got to pop, and it's got to happen sooner than year three to get people to continue to buy in. Because, like, hey, we were fine with Jim Caldwell, and he wasn't doing all this Belichick stuff. He wasn't calling guys out and alienating Darius Slay. And, again, it's calculated. It's part of the effort to build the team the way you want to build it, Chris. But if you don't win games, you're not going to win your locker room.
1: No, you're not. You got to ha- I mean, especially if you're going to really – act that Belichickian way right about you where it's going to be no nonsense it's not going to be about charisma with the media and yes I mean it's not a good look when you have a few issues with some of the star players Darius Slay other things like that certainly not it's a different day and age and in your you know this is a, a school of coaching that you know came from Bill Parcells right I mean that's kind of the thought yeah, it's, it's tough. It's in your face. you know. My dad always says he didn't realize his name began with a P until after he got done playing because he always thought it began with an F because it was always F Sims, F Sims, whatever, all those type of things. It's in your face, but you're right. You want to see results, and when you don't see results, it starts to wear on you, and as a player, that is. It's hard to deal with, but yeah, Detroit's they're, they're one of those teams here. They're, they're teetering, certainly, right now in the, in the danger zone to where – if it doesn't improve, if they don't become more competitive, go on some win streak. I mean, to what we talked about in Houston before, it's, I think it's all over for everybody. I mean, Patricia, Bob Quinn, Matt Stafford, I think it'll be his last year. They're going to rip the Band-Aid off and go to somewhere else. So I, I mean, we're getting to the end of the shelf life of everything we see with the Lions here unless they get back on track after the bye week.
0: You know, and I feel bad for Matthew Stafford. He had all these different quarterbacks or coaches rather throughout his career. And and I don't think anybody ever coached him hard. No. And I think they've been trying to coach him hard and it's it, it's just not working. It works on some guys, it doesn't work on other guys. And and we've seen that regression. We had the injury last year, but he's not the guy that he was. You had him in your top 3 when we first started working yeah again. what was that top yeah. 3
1: you're right yeah I did I think uh our first year three years ago I made him like the third quarterback in football or somewhere top five either way but he's a special three. talent but it's, don't try don't try to back I I, it now. I I it can't even three. remember I can't I don't get I remember a damn, but, I remember everything He's yeah, right. top three <laughs> top three um but yeah uh, it's, Nick Chubb's
0: in your top is Nick Chubb in your top three uh, is he in your top five he's definitely he's one of the in my top, in your five. top five
1: definitely no question right. baller supreme
0: We got the news yesterday, injured reserve with an MCL sprain. Now, again, this year, IR doesn't mean what it used to mean. Once upon a time, not that long ago, it meant when you're on IR, you're not coming back at all. You can come back after three weeks, the rules of the pandemic, roster flexibility. So, you know, with an MCL sprain, there's no – who knows? It depends on the degree. Unless the ligament is completely torn apart, it heals itself, unlike the ACL. So with rest, he can be back. He'll be ready to go. There's been different reports about how long he's going to miss, six weeks. Who knows? But he's going to miss at least three. And uh, the good news is, hey, they had 307 rushing yards, and he only had 43 of them, Chris. So the, the rushing attack works. And in a roundabout way, this may, this may be in the Browns' interest because to the extent that they're fearing Nick Chubb showing up after the season saying, pay me. Yeah, no, you're right. Maybe a Bill Parcells profanity from goodfellas on the front end. Uh, they can say, we don't need to.
1: Yeah, no, it might play in their favor to where, yeah, he can't sit there and go, well, look, I'm second in the NFL in rushing yards again like he was last year. Uh, You lose four or five games, it's going to be hard for him to go back to the table and go, all right, I want to be paid like a a top-tier running back in football. And, hey, for their credit, everything about him, but we want to talk about Dorsey, the prior GM, but even this right here, the, the fact that they kept Kareem Hunt around, it's for right now. And here we go, Kareem Hunt. He's going to get a chance to show that he's still the guy. I know he's been battling with some injuries as well. But between him and then Dearness Johnson uh, and how he ran the ball the other day and that they can continue to kind of infuse Odell Beckham Jr. and maybe Jarvis Landry in creative ways, they should be okay running the ball. I mean, Kareem Hunt is special. I mean, he, when, when he before he got in trouble with Kansas City, everybody had him as a top five running back in the game. And he shows that he's still got that ability. Even last week he did. So uh, I'm excited to watch him work. And durability is such an important component, regardless of what Nick Chubb does when he comes
0: back. The best running backs are the ones that are on the field all the time. And I know injuries at a certain point are inevitable, but Emmitt Smith ended up with the all-time rushing record not because he was the fastest or the most agile, the most elusive. He was able to go and go and go and go, and that that there's value in that. All right, no doubt. Uh, we're gonna take a break. The goats in a bad way draft for week four coming up when PFC live continues right after.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the
1: constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Was it clear on the field that that's what Tony Corante called, that it was forward, forward progress? Because, at least from what we could hear, there was never an announcement made on that play.
0: Ask Tony what he called. I don't
1: But it, it was clear to you before the Chiefs came out to punt that it was a forward pro- progress call and not that he was down on the sack?
0: I just answered this question.
1: I feel like I'm, an- I'm asking a different question.
0: Well, I'm giving you the same answer. Okay. Oh, Bill Belichick, always happy, always cheerful. Win or lose, he's going to be the same guy. Win right. or lose, that's the guy you get. And He's we got the a double little worse
1: when he loses. He's a little yeah, worse. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a, little, a bit. little bit. But, I Apparently, mean, I, I, I was just going to say, ahead. of course Bill Belichick knew the call on the field. Of course he did. This is Bill freaking Belichick. I know he's not, like, perfect. But for anybody to think he lost his cool and didn't realize it was already ruled down and fourth down and all those things, and then he was yelling at the referee and like, oh, wait, I forgot the challenge. What? That doesn't happen in New England? Are you kidding me? Bill Belichick's like, wait, this happened to me seven years ago and 29 seconds ago, and I remember exactly what I said on that. I mean, he doesn't mess up stuff like that. There's no way. He was totally aware of what happened, and that was a bad call. Goats in a bad way draft. Apparently I already asked you the trivia question earlier about
0: Romeo Cornell and you got it wrong. So I get the first pick. Is that fair? (laughs) Oh, go ahead. You take the
1: first pick. Go ahead. I'll give it to you. Let me just go to Tony Carrente. Then let me go right there. First off, if there was a person that um, looked like they could be maybe your twin brother or like your de facto other, like something yeah, yeah, it's you. I I, I watch Tony Stop. Carrente sometimes Just and think, is shut. that Florio in the uniform there? Oh. <laughs> but either way, he gets the call because that was a horrible call last night. That really was. That game was in the balance, and it was a chance to wear New England's defense had played great, you know, had missed some opportunities, and here they go. It's 6-3. They get a interception, and they're going to have a short field, and you're going, whoa. This is going to be a game. This is going down to the wire. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Kansas City's in trouble. And that call right there, I don't get it. We didn't hear a whistle until the Patriots player was at least 10 yards down the sideline. Um, I I don't buy it. I think that was one of the first of probably many, we'll see, of the Mahomes Mahomes taking care of the Golden Child uh, award right there. All right, my first pick, a guy who
0: showed up in yesterday's draft, a Sunday surprise in a bad way, goat in a very bad way, Nick Mullins, the now former starting quarterback at the San Francisco 49ers, in, in place of Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the team, said yesterday that he hasn't decided who the quarterback will be. I think he has. I think you know, Chris, I think we all know it can't be Nick Mullins again, not after that performance on Sunday night. It was horrific. It was horrible. They they, 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 they would have won the game. If they had gone with C.J. Beathard from the get-go, they would have won the game. If they'd put Jimmy Garoppolo out there with his bad ankle, they'd have won the game.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, that game was there to be had. They could have controlled it from the start, and he played horrible. And listen, Mike, it's hard for me not to go with the damn quarterback I saw last night. I mean, if we're going to talk about goats in a bad way. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, right. <laughs> Brian Hoyer. I mean, he. it's like he watched Nick Mullen on Sunday night and was like, you did stupid, I'll one-up your stupid and times it by two. I mean, it really was. I, I just – I still can't get over it. I, I'm sure Belichick is – he probably had a hard time sleeping on the plane ride home. He can't, can't believe he had a quarterback that was so unaware of the football game and unaware of what his own talents were. Uh, that's, to me, just mind-boggling. So, yes, he deserves that uh, the goat-in-a-bad-way award there.
0: Yeah, that was uh, my number two on the list as well. I, I'm going to go now uh, to Arizona. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make Cliff Kingsbury, uh, one of the goats this week because I don't know what the hell they're doing with Kyler Murray, right? And I, I think that what's happening is teams are figuring out what Kingsbury wants to do and they're taking it away and he's not zigging when they zag, and he needs to self scout himself as you would say. Yeah. They need to figure out what you know what defenses are doing and react to it better because they should have beaten the lions. They should have beaten the Panthers. They should be at least three and one, if not four and oh, so off we go. Uh, There it is. What do we got here? What's the stat? Uh, The thing moved on me. So I don't know what the stat is. Go ahead. Make your pick. There's a stat about Kyler Murray. Yeah, but you know, I mean, just
1: on that game in in general, I'm, I'm, that's one of the first games I want to watch today. When I look at film, just to be look at like what Carolina did to that Arizona offense. Certainly. And, you know, last week... Here it is. Here it is. Here it is.
0: Fewest passing yards with 24 or more completions since 1950. Kyler Murray, number one with 133 yards. Yeah. it's Fewest passing yards with 24 or more. And he's number four uh, last year with 100. He's got two spots on the top four with Shane Matthews and J.P. Lossman. So... You know, they got and we talk about Drew Brees not getting the ball down the field. He's not on this list. All right, what do you no, got? No, no,
1: you're right. It, well, they use the pass game as like an extension of their run game. You know, that's what they do. It's oh, screen instead of running the ball up the middle. Oh, another wide receiver screen instead of running the ball up the middle. So you're right, it's a lot of that. And they're gonna have to find some ways to kind of push the ball down the field and be a little different that way. There, there's no question, Mike. I think that's a very fair point that you bring up there. I mean, I don't even know where to go. Who who do I frame? Who do I frame for Dallas's issues? I, I mean, Mike Nolan, of course, the defensive coordinator, is what I want to talk about. But I also just like it's everybody. It's the Jones family. It's Mike McCarthy. I don't. I, I guess what I'm saying is it's everybody except the offensive coaches in Dallas. I don't know what the hell we're doing on defense. I don't know. And I this is bigger than just like hey, you look like crap on the field. What I just someone confused about, and what you might have heard with me say on the the podcast there with our little clip, you know. They're playing a defensive scheme that doesn't fit the players they have on the field. And that, to me, is where, like, where did this get lost in translation in the offseason to go, wait, our guys don't fit what he wants to do. We need to get new guys or wait, we don't hire this guy and we keep our guys and we do something similar to what we did. To me, that's the biggest issue with the Cowboys right now.
0: This is the worst year to do that too, with no off season, with no preseason games. You can't even you can't even try. I know. To jam
1: the square pegs
0: into the right. round holes before it's time to play the games. The count. Tony Dungy made that point on Sunday night in the digital stuff that we do after halftime at the Sunday night football game. That you get rid of Rod Marinelli, and you replace him with somebody who's going to run a completely different scheme. Mm-hmm. He needs his players. Yeah. For that scheme to work. Yes. All right. Uh, the last one for me, and I don't know who this is. I don't know if it was a trainer, if it was a doctor. Whoever cleared Makai Becton to play on Thursday night. Oh, What the hell was that for the Jets? Well, he can't play. He can't start because he's injured. We're going to put him in uniform in case we need him. Well, what the hell? If he can't play, he can't play. If he can play, he can play. If he can't play, he can't play. There's no in-between. We're going to use him if we if we have to use him. He's either good good to go or he's not good to go. And then you see the picture of him on the sideline where he's clearly in pain and he looks like he wants to go find out who said it was okay for him to play and and say something to them. So I, I just that, that 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 still confuses me five days later. So yeah. that's my last one. And it's good that we got to the last one because it's two hours has flown by, Chris. We are done for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of PFT Live. PFT PM coming up at five PM Eastern today uh chris sims unbuttoned i assume you're doing one today is that right yes no, or no I, I know
1: yesterday and i got one tomorrow
0: all right well we'll check that out check us out tomorrow morning bright and early have a great day see, see you yeah.
1: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
0: It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even
1: harder not to eat said hash browns before
0: you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.